Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, the number one gaming podcast in the Nordic region. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the gaming industry to discuss passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Aaron, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers within the Unreal Engine community. Today, I'm joined by William, Florian, and Mike to discuss when hiring the best talent is gaming experience essential. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So, William, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Oh, happy to be here. Uh, so my name is Will, a senior producer at Sandbox VR, a kind of location-based VR company um, based in Singapore, companies based in Hong Kong, but we have people all around the world. Uh, and I've been in the game industry for about 10 or so years in a, in a, a mix of different roles. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all about me. Awesome. Uh, Mike, do you want to kick us off? Yes. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, my name is Mike, but my real name is uh, Michal. Uh, I am, I am an associate producer at Tarsia Studios in Malmo, uh, and I used to work in the mobile gaming industry uh, in Ubisoft Barcelona Mobile and Pixel Federation as a QA manager and a QA team lead. And yep, I'm happy to be here and happy to share my thoughts. Awesome. And Florian, last but not least. Thank you very much. Um, happy to be here, as I think somebody else already said. Hey, my name is Florian. I, um, despite the accent, sit in Stockholm, um, working uh, indie now for a very little while um, with Bossa Games. Um, of, although they are in London, have gone fully remote. Um, I get to help them build a work for hire team. Um, before that, I've been jumping around the Stockholm games industry for a while, um, Avalanche Studio Group and Paradox Interactive, most notably. Um, and I realize as I talk um, that I'm an old, old man um, because I got my start in this uh, whole craziness by being part of the Half-Life modding scene. I don't want to count the years. So <laughs> please listen one quickly, Aaron. <laughs> no problem. Uh, but no, <laughs> now we've got a bit of a background on everyone. Um, let's move on to the topic in focus. Uh, you've all got a question or you've got a statement on when hiring the best talent is gaming experience essential. So as usual, uh, I'll work around the room, you know, asking each of you to pose your question and then just the reasons behind it as well. Uh, each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So uh, let's start with William and your question and just give the listeners at home, you know, some context on, on what made you choose it. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. So um, my question is kind of like, what can we do to kind of remove the barrier or the stigma for people that are outside of the game industry trying to come into it or applying for jobs inside of it? And uh, kind of some background to it, like I think there's a perception of kind of that we're all mad, you know, it's very crazy and messy endeavor and it kind of scares and intimidates people. 
I did work with a guy before who who told me that you know he he used to work in games, then he left games, did some other gigs, and then when he came back, in interviews he used to get like the question like why did you come back? Like like as in as in he's trying to break into prison again. So that kind of like again made me realize that yeah no it is kind of true that we are like a bit different and you know what are some things that we can do to kind of remove this barrier or the stigma so we can get people from outside the game industry to kind of apply for jobs inside of it i love breaking back into prison for what it's worth i'm going to use that um and i started speaking so mike if it's okay for you i'm just going to start answering um i think it's a really really good question um and particularly the way you gave a background i think there are several kind of ways of looking at it um because you know, we are a creative industry, and I don't think there's one, even very, very visibly, very, very honestly commercial ones, like, for example, advertising, that don't in some way pride themselves on being, you know, a little bit libertarian, a little bit more anarchic, a little bit freer than other places. Um, and if we're entirely honest, that's definitely something that we all carry around with ourselves. And very often, if you've got, you know, juniors coming in, people who are excited newcomers, they end up being a little bit disappointed because the fact of the matter is, yeah, we are creative, but also we are very often really big ships that need a certain amount of hierarchy and a certain amount of structure just kind of get running. So I think it's fair to say that we want that and I think it's valuable to preserve it, but it's also absolutely true that we overplay it. I think there are absolutely studio studio leadership very often that don't really want to admit that they've grown up. And so I could imagine that there's one part where well, yeah, we are mad here, but not actually as much as we like to say. And maybe the first thing to do is to just be a little bit more honest. The second part is that very often it's really, really bad working in the games industry. I mean, uh, you kind of went into, I think, a little bit crunch culture and, you know, working conditions with the example that you used. And that's a really legitimate thing. The other thing is that compared to, you know, industries that people have alternatives to go to um, if they are suitable for games, like business to business application development, for example. We have one of the most public Me Too moments of all those industries. And I think partially that's because we are just a little bit more high profile. We've got a consumer press that looks at us. But I think it's also because, honestly, a lot of really ugly stuff has been hiding behind this we are all mad here for a pretty long time. Um, like being an asshole is part of my manly charm kind of behavior, that kind of thing. Um, and that's... You know, there are people who have asked me, um, very often people who don't quite look like the folks here on this um, uh, Teams call for the uh, listeners, you will have guessed that everybody here wears a beard, um, who have asked me, should I join this or that company? And I went, you know what? I would not if I were a woman. That's a crap thing because um, one of the best things we can get from people coming in from other industries are different perspectives. And obviously... Well, there's a limit there. The nice thing is that, you know, we need to make this place better to work for anybody. And I find that very often that goes hand in hand, but we need to. Um, yeah, during the prep, my I understood the question quite differently, but I will continue on what was actually said. And I uh, misunderstood the word, the word madness. But now that you put it like this, I, I think you're completely right. And... Um, I personally, I am from a small country with only 5 million people. Like I'm from Slovakia and there is like a stigma to go, uh, around the gaming industry. Like, oh, games are for children and games, you know. Uh, my, I think my parents still think that I like play 
uh, games when I'm at work that we don't do like serious work. And I think this uh, can also drive some people off. But uh, when it comes to young people or uh, middle-aged people who actually know what goes into making a game and um, how not easy and how like challenging it is, um, they understand that uh, you must be a little bit, uh, you, you must be a tiny bit mad to go into this industry because uh, many people like their comfort of their nine to five job, they get the salary, they go home. But I think uh, our industry is full of so many passionate people. They want to create things that um, enrich people's uh, lives or they make their free time better, you know. And uh, I think uh, if someone joins and sees the impact a game can have on a specific person, uh, that's something um, not many industries uh, have. I feel that I might be dominating a little bit in William's question. Um, so please shout if you would like to cut in, William. But I think you're absolutely right, Mike. At the same time, I honestly, that's to me one of the other advantages that having people from other backgrounds in the uh, the team actually brings. A few people who say, yeah, this is fun, but it's a job and I'm doing this for my eight hours a day or whatever the contract does. They actually do really good things for um, the climate if that gets you know responded to properly because then also passionate people realize, well, yeah, actually, I I do have a life and I maybe don't want to camp out here uh, tonight. And in the long run, that makes better games, in my experience. I think maybe just a quick comment on that as well. It's like, I, I think it kind of ties in maybe to some of the things you, you mentioned there, right? Like that it's it's we're not all playing games at work, right? Like we are kind of a, a business. We sell a product to consumers, right? And like maybe this is a step for us to kind of grow up a bit, right? Like that, you know, it, it's 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 the it's the perception that you know we 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 we're not we're not just wasting time. It's not all fun, you know. It is a serious thing, and um, I do agree that you know it's 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 it is kind of good to have other perspectives as well, kind of coming from outside the game industry, kind of help infuse maybe you know some regular practices that are known in other businesses or you know just standard practices. You know, you don't have to sleep under the desk. Or kind of these type of things that you know maybe were common back in the day when you were, uh, you know, uh, getting into the industry, or many years ago when the industry was very young. That's the thing. So um, I, I, I definitely think like the, the it's all a play thing is, is something that we can uh, definitely work on trying to remove as a as a as a. Okay. Um, though I have to admit, maybe as a correlate to your story, Mike, I also come from a culture that's not very famous for valuing play highly. And I think the first time my parents realized that, no, no, he's doing a proper job was when I crunched, um, which is not good, but there we go. I think there's also very interesting perverse incentives for people coming in from the outside, living there. And it's honestly a space that I have not thought about too much. So maybe I should sit down and do that for a minute. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. Uh, plus, I wanted to touch upon a topic you, you mentioned, Florian, and that's like the uh, Me Too um, side of things uh, in the gaming industry. and. Um, I fully agree with that, that that can turn off or many people off in, in the age we live in. Um, I think there have been many advancements that made and in, in big companies to prevent this, but it's like, there are so many varieties of people, uh, some such, such a diverse cast of people in gaming that I think this is not a hundred percent preventable, but at the same time, um, 
yeah, you're right. Um, if I were a woman, uh, I would probably have uh, doubts about joining after I read all the news, after I, I read what's going on in some of the studios. And I think uh, it's really important for people uh, in the studios uh, to do their best to prevent this and to really create a culture that invites uh, everybody, no matter who they are. And no matter from what industry they come from. And I do think that since we're now in one of by far darkest topics that we can talk about, but also one that we need to talk about more, I think one thing that might be a surprise for somebody coming in from the outside is that one of the things that can actually make it more difficult for um, people to handle this properly if something has happened, if somebody has been victimized. Like you said, I, I hope it never happens, but I also... I'm very aware of the fact that I do not control fate, unfortunately, um, is the fact that so often games uh, studios, games companies of you know small to medium size are fundamentally groups of friends or have very long had very familial um, relationships. And I'm aware of more than one occasion where people were justifiably disappointed in how things got handled because ultimately somebody at the top looked at both the victim and the victimizer and went, yeah, but I like you both and I kind of want to help you both. And if if you have actually met somebody and like them, it can become really difficult to accept that they are a danger to somebody else. And I think that's absolutely something we need to, you know, come to a reckoning with inside the industry. But I also think that in other, a bit more in personal industries, it might just not be a thing that you are expecting. May I jump in, William? Okay. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think you said an excellent thing that most of the studios started as a bunch of friends making games and then they evolved because they made something successful. And um, friends sometimes tend to be unprofessional, let's say it like that. And the more people come into the studio, the more diverse it becomes. And one thing can uh, be a horrible to uh, one thing that may be normal to to one group is horrible to another. And uh, I think the bigger the studio grows, the more uh, thinking or, or, or the more considerate people should be. Um, as I mentioned, I, I worked at, uh, at, at Ubisoft. I, I think um, it's one of the companies that was mentioned in uh, some of these um, discussions uh, about this movement or uh, even like um, um, uh, like the workplace environment, and um, Ubisoft is a huge company of many many people and many studios. Uh, but I can assuredly say, like uh, during my time there, uh, there was so much effort to prevent this. There were so many uh, seminars. There were so many um, options or or uh, webinars, whatever, um, to prevent this but it still happens so um it's it's kind of hard to rule out in a huge company uh but i think when people join in no matter the industry if someone sees th that something like that happens a they need to speak out and b if somebody joins in they always need to be accompanied and um and they need to know what the culture is and how they should work with others for um, for them to be, um, um, for them to feel well, basically. 
I, I think as well, like there's um, over the last couple of years, like as you guys have mentioned, there's been you know several very high profile kind of mentioning in the news of this as well. And I mean, I, I, the thing is to to step forward, right? Because I think it, it, it will, you know, it will look bad and maybe it will scare off people. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still helping people. And then in the long run, it will kind of create those cultural changes of how we view people and how we interact with each other that will be necessary then to create a bit more inclusive and kind of a a, a, a place where people, um, where hopefully situations uh, tied into these topics will, will be less uh, occurring. So it, it is still important that it is mentioned. It's still important that people do raise when, when, uh, when situations do arise or occur. Um, and again, even though it might have some some negative press impact, it's still it's still better as we kind of evolve and continuously improve. So, yeah. Amen. I have been advised not to put something to the middle of that word. Awesome question, Will. Really, really good that. Really enjoyed it. Some really great points to take away there. Some fantastic answers and responses. Um, you know, Florian, you know, you've got a question for us. Can can you just give us a bit of context on, you know, on your question and what made you choose your question as well? Absolutely. Um, so I think what I would like to talk about right now is what lack of gaming experience actually means in the year 2023 of our Lord. Um, I mean, we are in a place in time where um, I can have come from an indie studio. I can, can have come from a AAA live production. I can have come from gambling. Maybe at the end of 2023, I can have come from one of the first uh, released NFT games, if these animals actually ever begin existing um, properly, I mean. Um, and on the CV, that's all gaming experience. Um, and there is obviously a lot of distance between some of these things. Honestly, in my experience, sometimes it's a bit more dangerous to have somebody who thinks they know how to make games, when in actual fact they know how to make a game, um, coming into a studio than um, somebody who knows that they need to learn a new domain basically um but maybe you have other experiences so i would be interested in your uh, views on this i, I think at least uh, if, if it's okay if i jump in um i i do agree that you know the, the what, what we define as kind of video games is, a, is is like a range right it's not like you know video games means the same thing you know i can be working 10 years in, in, in a live service game um, and they'll be quite drastically different from kind of jumping in working on a small indie studio or going to gambling or whatnot. So there is, of course, kind of the um, uh, differences even internally here in, in the games industry. Um, so I, I think it kind of boils down a bit to what you're after. Kind of, again, like, we, you know, if you post a job ad, kind of try to specify some of the criteria and requirements. And I wouldn't necessarily kind of exclude people with no gaming experience, but you know, certain roles or certain kind of hires do require some sort of background. Um, if you're if you're looking for someone to maybe lead a team or kind of kind of be a, a creative force in in, in the, the game production, you know, the, having made made game will give that edge. Um, but I think it's up to kind of you as a company or kind of as a hiring manager to define kind of where is the scope here? Is it okay? Like, are we building a live service game and therefore need someone with live service experience? Or are we kind of looking to broaden our horizon and are more looking to maybe someone to handle coordination? Maybe then you don't need to maybe have have, um, have worked within the industry for X amount of years. I've done X, uh, X or Y. Um, uh, but I, I, I um, in, in, in general, like 
I, I, I think it, it kind of boils down to that, right? Like, what, what are we trying to achieve? And, and then kind of tailor and customize kind of the, 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 the person we hire. Yeah, I, um, most of my hiring experience is basically from being a QA manager. So I hired mostly QA professionals or, and, um, QA, sorry, QA testers and, uh, automation engineers. And, uh, most of them were juniors because in the region and in the companies that I worked in, uh, it wasn't easy to get a trained professional. And, um, so most of the people that I had, had no prior experience. They were from a different industry or, or they did a completely different job. Um, and if they had gaming experience, um, it didn't really matter for us personally, what kind of games they were working. It was important if they could maybe bring some, uh, knowledge about the tools they've used. Or, or about the processes they had in that specific company or on that specific project. Uh, because at least in QA, um, the, the needs from testers or the requirements for testers often are based on the project itself. So it's not like, okay, I know C++, so I can do, uh, many various things. No, in, in QA, it's like, um, okay, uh, this is a specific game uh, done in a specific way, uh, with these specific modules or, or segments and okay, how do we test them? And, um, we basically, every time every, anybody would join, we would basically, uh, teach them everything they need to know for that specific project. They get some basics, they, they, they learn and they grow. And after that, um, that is more easily transferable to something new or something different. Uh, so for me personally, like the need for gaming experience wasn't there. I think it was more, more about the person themselves, uh, and, uh, how they could fit the company and the culture that we've had. I think that makes what? a lot of sense. Oh, go on, William. No, no, what, what I was going to say, I think it's, 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 um, it's quite, um, uh, quite important is that, um, or that I, that I kind of sense from the, from your answer is that, you know, we can teach people most things. Like it's, it's very few things like you, you're born with, with the, the skill and know-how and, you know, you're stuck with that. Like, so I, I do kind of agree that, you know, if we give people time and effort, we can train them to kind of perform well. So when I've hired consultants, you know, a lot of consultants that, that, that I've interacted with up in, up in, up in Sweden and the Nordics, most of them haven't worked in games before as well. So it's always been kind of that, you know, as you explained, you know, they have kind of know-how in tools, processes that we can kind of infuse. And then, you know, it's kind of a balancing act, like how much of the gaming uh, madness, so to say, do we infuse in them and their kind of day-to-day -day work and, and how they work. Uh, some people are really interested in, you know, being part of kind of the creative endeavor and kind of figuring out how games work. Other people are are part of kind of uh, game uh, game companies because they're interested in the the problems we have to solve or the technical difficulties or, or whatnot. Yeah, um, and I think there's actually a really interesting follow up in how we're talking about this, which is um, so obviously we can change anything ultimately, and we will often have to. But there's also it feels like there's you know a scale of which kinds of skills are more or less transferable. Um, as you come into this industry. And actually, William, one of the examples that you used is really interesting to me because I have in unexpected places found that leadership, like 
proper leadership, not the scrum canon or something like that, is actually a skill set that is incredibly well transferable if you are lucky enough to actually find somebody who knows how to do it. Subtext being that, unfortunately, a lot of managers truly do not, but that's for a different podcast, I imagine. Um, but I have to admit that um, I have been absolutely floored by, for example, the speed with which um, trained designers, as in, you know, industrial designers or um, artists, actually can become really, really good leaders of teams inside game development. Um, because there are certain, I'm going to say, tendencies towards going to something essential there that are very useful as you become somebody who uh, tries to get people on track and towards a result and that kind of thing. So for me, maybe maybe this is the, uh, the podcast uh, to sequel this with. There's a very interesting question in where are surprising um, capabilities that you've seen people carry with them and basically being able to just slot in and work with day one? Yeah, uh, for me personally, it was like a mindset. Um, uh, uh, for QA, um, it was like uh, more about like the way of thinking, not the, actually the way of, of, of testing. As I said, like uh, every project is different and it needs to be tested in a different way. So if a person comes in with a mindset um, that's uh, driven to the to give players the best game they can have with the best possible quality that we can achieve, um, that's what I really liked. Like people who understood like someone's fun factor depends on their job, on their them doing their job well. Um, so for me, it was. Um, actually their way of thinking uh, that could be more easily transferable from project to project um, and um, also like a uh, passion for video games and for their craft. One thing that we, we've kind of talked about now a lot has been like, you know, what, what can it's or like what are the things that uh, you know, can, can help us as a game company bring in, bring in people from, from the outside world. But there's also the, the aspect that I think that, that you know, other industries work and operate slightly differently. Like there are kind of li- um, in in both terms of like how things just work when it comes to releasing a game. If you have like a website or a service or or, or an app, the whole release process of that is much more different than 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 um, than what we do. So there is kind of also that step of yeah, sure, we 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 can learn a lot from other people, but it's also some things that we kind of have to set the bar for and kind of like set the the, the clarify. You know, in the games industry. This is just the way things work because of the release process and certification and kind of these things as well. Um, so, so I think it is um, that might be one of the things where someone coming from the outside world doesn't maybe necessarily have that insight. And the same kind of applies to different roles or the meaning or the lingo that we use. So, you know, um, we use terms like alpha, beta, producer being like the most weird title because it, it people think about music and movies and. You know, in, in certain companies they do this, and in other companies they do that. So, um, so some work on, on our side then as well to kind of uh, maybe be a bit more generous in our explanation and just you know taking extra efforts there, making sure that you know things work like this because of why reasons. You know, it's not it's not as friction free to release a game and kind of this is the weird lingo that we have. We don't adhere to general tech language because old reasons that no one remembers anymore. I, I have been kind of nodding along like I'm a uh, pest dispenser for the last little while. I don't think that's a simile that makes sense, but I think it was funny to listen to. 
um, because that's actually one of the topics that I kind of hope we would get to at some point. Um, and I might actually end up on a slightly less humble note here um, for a change, because I think, William, you just were a exemplary human being and you said, well, we are a bit weird occasionally. We really need to be patient and maybe make ourselves less weird. Honestly, I might have had the wrong experience for that sometimes, because I would say maybe the one thing that I need to have from anybody who comes, who wants to come into the games industry from outside the industry is a willingness to learn uh, about this domain and to accept that this is a really, really complex thing that we are doing. And by the way, it's also a really, really bloody profitable thing we are doing. Um, and, you know, you might have a reason to enter this industry for that reason, and that's all fine, and nobody was going to think less of you for that, but please take this seriously. Because honestly, the worst experiences I've had with people coming into this business from elsewhere, they're very often, this goes back a few years when um, the games industry might not have had quite the same profile in the place that I worked in, where very often people who came out of um, the classic IT sector, like a lot of the examples that you just gave about what, what does production mean here? What does alpha mean here? They, were, they all came back to me at that moment and who were actually hired into pretty high management positions because they had on their CV these a lot of experience building websites, building backends, really honorable stuff, no doubt. But they walked in with that prestige, with that sense of I'm going to show these school children what we are doing properly and they ran against walls. Um, if I had one cent for every... Um, or Burra, depending on where you are right now, um, for every um, really highly um, paid um, quality assurance, um, head of quality assurance, quality assurance lead coming out of a different industry for whom I had to write the test strategy as a producer because they just didn't understand how a game would come together on any level and refused to learn that. I would have three pence or euro or cents, and that's honestly three more than I should ever have got, uh, gotten that way. Um, so yeah, obviously we should make ourselves open. We should give people the chance to learn, but we also need to insist that they take that chance because games aren't going to become easier just because you think they are a little bit silly. Yeah, very wise words. I agree. <laughs> Nothing else to add there. I think it was brilliant. <laughs> awesome. Some very, very good points there again. No, fantastic. Um... Well, so we'll we'll move on to you know Mike your question and and again what 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 is the context behind you know the question that you chose and, and just give the listeners you know a bit of the reasons behind it yeah uh, as uh, as I mentioned like my whole life before Tassier and being a in uh, an associate producer there was in QA and um, my maybe uh, standards and ways. Uh, to hire people were different from other companies and other people. So uh, my questions to you, William and Florian, are: is that what what qualities do you look for when, uh, uh, sorry, what qualities do you look for uh, in a person to join your team? Uh, might it be craft specific, or is is it something? Um, is there something you? really want to see in that person joining your company or your team. Can I throw in a footnote before we go to the proper answer? Because, Mike, you just did a thing that I've, I've seen many people do in this industry, which is to say, well, I started in QA and kind of start talking about it a little bit like it's a smaller thing. One point that I think doesn't get made often enough is that there is no place where you get thrust as quickly and as deeply into leadership challenges 
in this business as QA and often in more difficult situations because expectations are so very different with the people who enter that field. So I think particularly for conversations that we have right now, QA is an incredibly important microcosm of what happens in games. Um, so I wanted to say you are appreciated. And now, since I've already started talking, William, how about you start answering the proper question? Oh, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, th th this is very situational. You know, what are the kind of qualities or or, or like the personality traits that you're that you're looking for? Um, like, of course, we always want to have like the best person, most sociable, funnest, you know, most passionate person. But you know, we're we're all imperfect creatures, so we have our quirks, and there is no perfect candidates or so. Um, I I think like you know, trying to figure out like the the group dynamic, so the dynamic that you want to kind of do or any changes they want to do to the team is important. Um, I I worked with a the engineering team a while back. You know, that was quite senior. Um, you know, a lot of them had had worked many years and were a bit of lone wolves. You know, they did their thing and and uh, very very efficiently. Um, things that we were looking to do was, you know, we want to see how we can keep growing these individuals. Um, so when we were looking to hire and expand in this team, you know, we 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 went out of our way to look for more junior talent and maybe someone that can help open up. The, these kind of um, these kind of uh, senior developers a bit more, and you know that would both allow us to kind of get kind of a good range between a senior and junior um, developers in the team, but also would be both an educational uh, opportunity and kind of a uh, and the career development for our senior developers, as they would be able to mentor and coach someone, and this is something that they hadn't done for a while. Um, so in this situation, again, the, the the personality that we were looking for was maybe someone that can break these lone wolves out of their shells, you know, and and again being the junior partner here coming in and you know um, being taught or show the ropes a bit. Um, so again, very situational and kind of what we're looking for. There there is no like one size fits all for for me at least. And I think that's a really really good answer. Um, how do I put this? Um, I think. I Having stalked your LinkedIn before we did this, William, I've got an idea of which office on Södermalm that very senior engineering team might have sat in. Um, and you'll forgive me, the, the scenario that you gave us, I think, is a is in a environment of plenty. Because to be honest with you, the occasions where I had too many seniors sitting in my team, I can count on very, very few fingers. Um, Making games is a really, really hard thing. And if we are entirely honest in most situations, not all of them. And I think team fit is incredibly important. No doubt about that. I think you're absolutely right about that. But in most situations that I've been in as a hiring manager, getting somebody who could actually help us make games effectively, somebody who hit the capabilities, that was already a pretty big struggle. Um, and so I honestly, at this point, I will admit that I've become a little bit whittled down in my baseline requirements. Um, I need to believe that I can make a person fit into the team on some level, yes. But honestly, at this point, I'm also willing to challenge the team a little bit if I think there's somebody who's really good at helping us get forward with the product um, coming in. Obviously, if, if there's any risk of um, a person being a danger for anybody, that I don't think we need to talk about that. Um, but it is actually... I think my Wi-Fi might be fi uh, failing me. Can you hear me? Excellent. Yeah. Then I'm going to keep going. Sure. Um, there was once an example of um, somebody um, in a interview um, with a male and a female interviewer outright only addressing um, the man. Um, 
even answering the, the female interviewer's questions to the guy. At that point, you go, okay, this is getting a little bit worrisome. I'm not sure I want to take that risk. Um, but leaving aside those kind of situations, um, I'm honestly down to basically primary virtues. I need somebody who's honest. I need somebody who's willing to accept that they have been wrong or that, you know, something doesn't quite go their way because both are going to happen a lot in game development. Um, I need somebody who's capable of being respectful to everybody else um, that is on the team or might come into a team. And honestly, I'm kind of running out of things that I'm calling my baseline at this point. And let me tell you, at different points in my career, that baseline was much, much longer. Uh, thank you for uh, those answers uh, to my question. Uh, Florian, big thank you for your kind words about QA. Uh, and uh, like, yeah, you're right. Like, I think more spotlight needs to be put in QA. And uh, I think they're the unsung heroes of the industry and they should be the sung heroes, uh, <laughs> probably. Um, uh, and yeah, when when I personally uh, was hiring someone, yeah, most of the time it was it was juniors, uh, new people to the, to the industry. And um, I think what I was quite uh, often looking for in those interviews was how passionate they were. It's, it wasn't just about the skill, but also um, if they would be happy to be in this industry. And um, I remember a person who came in and he just like stood out against all the other candidates because he was prepared. He played our games. He found bugs in our games and brought them in, um, even though there wasn't a requirement, of course. <laughs> and um, he had a very nice qualities to him as a person. And um, I was like blown away. I, of course, I didn't show it at the interview, but when it ended, it was, I was blown away. And that person was hired instantly. And um, I'm happy to say that that person is now uh, the new QA manager after I left uh, because they really found themselves in that job. And um, I, I think it's some, sometimes you can feel it uh, if, if a person just like ticks the right boxes personality wise. So it's not just the, the skills that are of course necessary, but also personality wise uh, that you feel that they will fit. And maybe if I may have like a follow-up question, um, I'm not sure what your like ratio between uh, online interviews and uh, in-person interviews was uh, before COVID and how did it affect uh, you hiring uh, new people? This is a bit mean. I think you've thrown two excellent topics for one hour podcast at us in the last few minutes, uh, both the, the topic of passion in hiring and how that can be, can be both an incredibly important thing, but also can be kind of risky in some places, but now also this. I'm going to answer that one because you asked it. Um, and um, so I, for whatever reason, ended up in companies that um, had already defaulted to at least first round or the first few rounds of interviews online significantly before the pandemic. The last time I had a first interview in person, I was interviewed for my entry-level production position. Um, basically. Um, and so far, I can't give you a um, good, you know, clear-cut one way or the other um, 
evaluation. I would say that on a certain level, the remote part actually makes, or the, the virtual call part actually makes, it makes certain things a little bit easier. I do not notice the body shape of a person that I'm talking to as much. Um, ner nervousness is very often a bit lower for people who are taking a call in an uh, environment that they are used to. So I think in that sense, it very likely did a few good things for me. But as you can see, I'm thinking about this very irrationally right now. I don't have an immediate visceral example or something like that that I could put. But it's an excellent question. Maybe it did do quite a lot though when it comes to like um, reducing some maybe of our unconscious uh, biases that we might have when it comes to hiring, right? As you mentioned, you know, body shape or 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 other things that you pick up on, like it, it kind of evens the playing field a bit more with the the online um, interviews. Um, I mean, for me, it's 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 been even before COVID, it, there were a lot of online interviews as well, kind of as as you as you mentioned, kind of at the start, primarily as well because Stockholm is a very attractive kind of game industry town, and you know we're trying to desperately hire everyone, and there's not enough people to go around, so it it was always a thing where uh, you looked far and wide to find people. Um, but I yeah, I, I I do I do kind of agree with the with the with the, with the points that you made there on the. That it, it maybe evens the playing field a bit, um, which is which is a good thing. Yeah, thank you very much for the answers. Um, the 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 latter question was like out of nowhere, but it just came to me and uh, was good to hear your opinions on that. Oh, thank you very much. That that question there, brilliant, and the points on it, very very good to take away. Um, but though, seeing as we we do have a, a few minutes left, I do have a, a conversation as as well, both topic myself. So. I mean, a topic which which I'd ask each of you is, I mean, in terms of hiring, you know, how long do you leave a role open, um, you know, before you'd actually consider, you know, alternative options? And what does that look like for, for you guys? Uh, if I may go um, first, because my answer is going to be the simplest, because it's maybe not as difficult to hire a tester as the other roles. Yes, QA is... Uh, known to be like the entry point into the industry and it, there's nothing bad about it and um, often when we've opened a position whether at Pixel Federation or at Ubisoft we got so many CVs right away and we had so many people to choose from and it wasn't that hard to find a person in this specific field um, so m my answer on this uh, topic is uh, that uh it, it fuck no sorry <laughs> um sorry well, can you please cut that out <laughs> uh i got lost in in thought i'm sorry uh it's all right i've please. put a, yeah yeah i've put a timestamp on it don't worry um so obviously to to my question how long do you leave a uh, roll open before you consider alternative options for you wasn't right. an issue in terms of qa and um, three two one uh, so yeah, for us, usually the, the role was open for a very short time because it was built very quickly. I think it, I wish I had a good quick, I mean, I'm going to start here. There are certain roles where you know exactly that it's going to be, um, a crawl through hell to get somebody and you basically go broadband from the start. Those are the easy ones. I honestly think that, uh, looking outside of uh, the industry is an undervalued and underutilized uh, lever there in parts because very often our recruitment organizations don't i think uh, to a certain extent, software development might be the one exception to what i'm about to say but 
in many other places, we don't necessarily have a pipeline that we can rely on as much as we have inside of the industry. So it becomes easier to try to, you know, fish in the smaller uh, pool. Um, there are those moments where you realize, oh, well, apparently lighting artists have become so much more um, sought after since the last project that I worked on. Because here's the thing, we very often as studios hire on project rooms, and that can be five years, depending on what kind of game you're making. At that point, I'm going to say normally you start sweating. Um, well, you start sweating as soon as you realize that you are um, threatening um, one or two of the milestones down uh, the line. And that normally means that you you kind of have already eaten three months or something like that, which is to say you're very likely um, already pretty late. And then you get desperate and then somebody makes a lot of money and good for them. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's I, I think as well, like, we know the crafts are harder to to hire as as, as you mentioned like um certain certain crafts especially in stockholm are, are near impossible to find and you'll spend a lot of time kind of looking for them so if you are you know as a, as a company or a, or a larger studio planning to kind of do a, a large expansion or you know wrapping up a game i think you need to be somewhat mindful as well of of, of how long are you willing to commit to kind of this like how long will you give this uh, uh this a shot um and maybe even have some contingencies planned early on. You know, uh, either you bring in consultants, or there can be independent studios that you work with to kind of solve the different challenges. Um, I, I I think it's it's somewhat naive to assume that um, for for certain roles and crafts that you you will find someone fast because you're the coolest game company in the in the block, right? It doesn't it doesn't matter that you have the the best game or the uh, the best benefits and whatnot like that. There is just again a shortage of of certain crafts. So um, some some mindful or some forethought is, uh, is needed when it comes to hiring because uh, yeah, it, it you won't make it otherwise. Awesome. No, absolutely brilliant points. There. I agree with with every single one. Um, but no, before we conclude the the end of the podcast, I'd just like to th- say thank you so much to all our guests for sharing the thoughts in today's conversation. And once again, our guests today on the podcast have been William Cooper, uh, Florian Swartzer, and Mikhail Dokupil. Uh, if you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I am Aaron, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Thanks again to all our guests, and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.